If you would turn over in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians, we're going to be in the fourth chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Doug Lansky has been a traveling writer and photographer for many years, and in the course of his travels, he has collected photos of odd signs from around the world. Here are some of the samples. One photograph shows a white highway sign in Monroeville, Pennsylvania, which says, Entrance Only, Do Not Enter. Another photograph shows a yellow diamond-shaped sign from Mill Valley, California, which says, Not a Through Street, and right below it is a blue circle with a white arrow pointing straight ahead and the words, Evacuation Route. (laughs) Another photo shows a sign in Pennsylvania which says, Invisible Fence, Now Open. Another sign from Rome, Georgia says, Used Rainbows, $250 and up. I have no idea what a used rainbow even is to put a dollar amount on that at all. But we've been looking at a series here on wisdom, and certainly we can see that in these signs there is some wisdom that is lacking. Somebody hasn't quite thought it all the way on through. We hope to finish this series up here tonight, today and move on to some other things. And through the course of it, I hope you've learned some things about the wisdom of God, how important it is for you in your life, how it can change your life, what it can do, because it is the most powerful force that we can tap into, the wisdom of God. We see that the wisdom of God is down on the inside of us. The wisdom of God we can request, and God will give us even, even more than we have, more then we need, God will give us. But we need to ask. We need to do some of those things. We saw the woman in the issue of blood, how she got into the press, and we used that as an acronym to say we need to get ourselves in the press. The first one was we need to pray. We need to have an interaction with God, not just make requests of God, but to have a conversation, prayer as a conversation. Secondly, read. We need to read the Word of God. We've been having a reading program here. We've been in a church just a chapter a day, five days a week. You may have your own reading program, but get in there and just sit down and read the Word. Make sure when you read the Word, you don't study the Word. You'll, you'll, you'll mess yourself up. You need to have times you just sit down and read the Word. You need to have other times you sit down and study the Word. But if you mix up your study and your reading time, you'll never read it. You need to sometimes just sit back and read it and get the overall picture. To get that down on the inside. You'd be surprised what gets in you and when you read. I've told you the story before, but by the time I graduated high school, I had read the entire Bible five times by the time I graduated high school. I never sat down to study it. I never sat down to memorize it. I didn't sit down to, to try and do anything. I just read it. And by the time I graduated high school, I could in my mind start in the book of Genesis and almost, re- not word for word, but recite the stories one after the other just from reading it. It's amazing if you just sit down and read what gets in you. It's different from what gets in you when you study. When you study, you find out the small parts, the minutia of the, of the Word. The details get in you. When you read, you get the overall picture. It's kind of like if you were going to use your mapping program on your phone. And when you start off, it gives you the overall picture. This is where you're going. But then you have the turn by turn. Study is more like the turn by turn. The reading is getting the overall picture. Make sure you get both. You need to have both. Pray, read, ears to hear, develop your ears, that you have ears that will hear what the Spirit is saying, what God is speaking to you. Fourth was study and meditation, or just study study the Word, meditate the Word, keep going over and over and over and over. And then lastly, say, speak what it is that you know what it is that you believe. Don't just sit there and think it. Don't just believe it, but speak it, say it. You do these things, you're going to see yourself doing what the woman with the issue of blood did. She got herself in the press and she got what she needed to get. She said to herself over and over again, I know if I just touch the hem of his garment, I know I shall be healed. You need to see, you need to speak some things to yourself and don't just think it, say it. The Word of God does not say in Mark chapter 11, 22, 23, and 24, whatsoever things you think. It says whatever things you say. You've got to say what you believe. You need to speak it out with your mouth. Well, I don't feel like it. Well, then, you know, you do it your way, you're going to get your thing. You do it God's way, 
You get what God promised. We need to develop our hearing. We need to recognize the voice of God. We need to retain. Please retain what it is that He says to you. Don't make Him keep repeating Himself. How many times do you like to repeat yourself? Recognize, retain, and refine. When God speaks something to you, hang on to it. Don't let it go. Keep doing what it is that He said to do. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 5. We saw counsel in the heart of man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. When the wisdom of God contains understanding, understanding contains discernment. We put our boxes up over here. They're here for you to see again. That is the wisdom of God. Any other wisdom is empty. It is devoid of understanding and discernment. But God's wisdom contains these things. We said uh, revelation when it comes from God will tell us, we're going to see this again here today, what we have received, the things that are already in your possession. Do not pray, do not ask God for the things the Word of God tells you are already in your possession. Don't do that. That's unbelief. What we have received, what we can receive, and what we will receive. Can is potential. If I do this, God will do this. Will, these are the things that are ahead for us. What is absent in our faith, He will reveal that to us. And what is present or in our way. He will help us with these things. Listen to God. We talked about wells and rivers. The differences between those. That we need to become what well, we are a well. That we can draw from. But we need to also become a river. And last week we looked at getting things done. Being able to do things in a, in a manner that is better than we do now. It really in the end does not matter how long or how hard we work, what matters is what we get done. If a man or woman can get up in the morning and spend a half hour and change some of their investments around and then walk away from it and over the course of the day those investments because of the changes they made yield a hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand, ten thousand dollars but they only worked a half hour, were they productive? Yeah, sure they were. They got some. It does not matter how long it is that you work. What matters is what you got done. Did you get? I mean, you, how many times have you had a day you worked all day? All you did was take care of distractions, answer calls, handle problems that came up, and by the time you got done, you didn't get a single thing done that you were supposed to do that really mattered. But you worked hard. You get into the wisdom of God, you will find out how you can get things done that you need to get done and then even have room for, the, for some of those distractions uh, to get out there and take care of those. We saw that Jesus was up on the, uh, out in the wilderness with the people. He sent the people away. He sent the disciples away. He was left alone on the land. The disciples were rowing to get to the other side. He said, get to the other side. We're going to go over there. There's ministry to be done over there. And as they're rowing, he's watching them. But he needed to be uh, praying. So he went away and prayed. But then after he got done praying, he looked out and he was watching them. And he saw they were halfway through. They're having a hard time getting there. They were rowing and rowing and rowing. They were working hard. Jesus was praying. He's getting himself ready. And so the Word of God tells us that he walked on the water. And the Word of God told us he would have passed them by. Which means that Jesus was able to send them on their way, have his time of prayer, and get to the other side and would have beat them. But he took time to pray. Too often we think that what God wants us to do will slow us down. It will not. We need to make sure that we listen to what he says to do because he'll help us out. He'll help us out with the thing. I heard an example of someone who was familiar with tree chopping. I'm not familiar with tree chopping. I don't really enjoy chopping down trees. I'm glad that people do because we have a wood uh, stove in the house. But I'm not really one of those ones who wants to go out there and do that. But he used the example of a person going out and, and chopping a tree. Uh, it's a whole, whole group of people. He says, you know, the whole group of people gets out there and they all pick a tree and they start going away at it. And they're going away. But this one man, he comes over and he just sits on down and he starts to sharpen his blade. He's not working yet, just sharpening his blade. And he's talking to the Lord. Lord, what tree should I cut down? And Lord shows him a tree to cut down. And so he goes over to that tree and says, Lord, where do I start chopping on that tree? Have you ever chopped down a tree? If you pick the wrong spot chopping down a tree, you're going to have yourself a hard time. You're not getting through that tree. You've got to make sure you hit the right. You hit the right spot, you can get right through that tree. You hit the wrong spot, you're not getting through the tree. 
So this young man, he sat on down there. He had this all sharpened up. He picked the tree that God told him. He went up to the tree and he picked the spot that God said to pick it on. And he went to chopping and got that sucker down. And the other guys were still chopping away at their trees. And he got that tree down, brought it out, got it all done before, before noon. <laughs> well, see, what matters was how many trees you got down, not how many chops you got. It's the same thing with, with us. Listen to God. He will help you. He'll help you get the things done that you need to do in better time than you did before. But you just got to listen to Him. His wisdom is waiting for us and will help us out. Second Corinthians chapter 4. Hope you're there by now. You can look up on the screen if you like or read along in your Bible. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. What ministry is he talking about back in chapter 3? In verse 5, he said, Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. You have been called to be a minister of the Spirit of the law, or the Spirit of the Word, not just the letter of it. Because it is the Spirit that gives life. So you've been called, every one of us has been called to go out and to be a minister of the life of the Word of God. That's what you're called to. So he says, therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. This is the ministry. He is, uh, in the rest of chapter 3, he talks about people who were veiled. He relates it to Moses. Moses was veiled. Remember in the Old Testament, Moses was veiled? He had a veil put over his face. Sometimes we think that he put that veil over his face so that people weren't blinded by his face as it glowed because he would get before the presence of God and he would just glow with the presence of God. That is not why he put the veil over his face. Moses would go before the presence of God and he would talk with God and he would come out from the presence of God and his face would glow. Then he would come before the people unveiled and the people would see his face glowing. And then after he would tell them what God said, he would go away and put a veil over his face because what happened was the glow would, would begin to diminish. And so he put the veil over his face so that people couldn't tell that the, the glow was diminishing. He wasn't trying to deceive the people. He was trying to keep those people. They, they needed to have fear in, them in order to keep them going. I think that was more along his lines for, for doing it. But uh, that's what he tells us had gone on there and why that veil was there. But in the same way, he said that that the enemy comes along and he veils people from seeing the light of the gospel. In verse 2, well, let's go to verse 1 again. Therefore, since we have this ministry, this ministry of, bringing, of being ministers, of uh, helping people see the light, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. One of the most important things is in, in life is don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. If you lose the desire to continue... You lose heart and you can give up. And that's what you want to make sure you don't do. Don't lose heart. Sometimes you're fighting a battle. You fight it, you fight it, you fight it. And all of a sudden, one day you wake up, it's like, oh, I don't want to fight this anymore. And you lose heart. He says, don't lose heart. We've got mercy. That's one of the things we need. He's going to talk about some other things to help us with that. But he says, do not lose heart. Sometimes you just need to put that in front of yourself. We do not lose Put that in there. I will not lose heart. I will keep going. I will keep fighting. I will keep going. You just need to keep going. Don't stop. If the enemy can get you to lose heart, to become discouraged, to quit, to not push on the same way, he can get you to stop altogether. Don't do it. And understand, he's not trying to get you to stop altogether at once. He knows that's not going to happen. But if he can slow you down, if he can make it feel like, well, you're not getting through all that all that well, and that, and things aren't aren't going, and that I was um, I was reading an article on just to, for people who like to go out and run in the wintertime. That may not be many people here, but if you are one of those people who like to go out and run in the wintertime, then you will know some of the things that you you face. One of the things that you face when you run in the wintertime is ice on the road, cold air, and wind. And they, they were telling you in this in this article, do not try to get better in the winter. <laughs> because you lose heart. He said, sometimes you go out there and you run, you got the headwind, you got the cold, you got the ice, and you look at your time for the, you finish it. I, I finished that thing so much faster before, and you get discouraged and you lose heart and you don't go out. You don't, uh, don't go, out, go after it anymore. He says, no, you can't do that. You got the wind against you, you got this against you. A slower time is okay. 
And so it kind of encourages you to, no, just keep going. You need to keep going because sometimes we look at our performance in our Christian walk now compared to what it was, where we expect to be. And we get discouraged and we lose heart. No, what are you up against right now? You might be up against something that is a great test in your life and just making it through is good. I don't know about you, but you know, some exercise things that you've done or some diet things that you've done, but I've had some runs that I've gone on and when I got finished, I did not even want to know what the time was. I knew it was bad. I knew it was horrible. I just got done. I said, I am just glad that I finished. And you just hang on to that. I'm glad that I finished. There are some things in your Christian walk that maybe you didn't get through it quite the way that you did with some other things, but you made it through. <laughs> you made it through. And you can say, you know what? I made it through. There's a lot of people who didn't make it through that. I made it through. And don't lose heart. Maybe you, you, you look at yourself, I could have done it faster. I could have done it quicker. I could have done it better. I could have done it. So what? You made it through. Now, next time, you'll be more prepared or more ready or whatever it is. But you get yourself some stamina in there. Sometimes, you just got to get on through. You can, uh, if you don't like sports or athletic type things, just think about it this way. How many times have you cooked a meal and that meal went great? Everything came out of the oven right. Everything mixed up right. All the ingredients were there. And then came the dinner from hell. The ingredients weren't right. You tried to substitute some stuff. The oven wasn't working. It didn't quite come out. And by the time you got done, you were not happy with the end result. You've had some of those things going through. and But you didn't quit cooking, did you? No, you got back because there's a need. You, got, you want to eat, you got to cook. So you kept on going back at it. You kept doing it again. Whatever it is that we do, don't quit just because it didn't work. Keep going. All right, well, that one didn't go so well. But I had other times it did go so well. I had other times it did go pretty good. And you just keep pressing through. Keep going through. Don't stop. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word deceitfully. You know the people are out there handling the word deceitfully? They know... What they're saying isn't right. But they still want to try try and make the Word of God say that. Be careful of that. That's why we always tell you, just because one verse said it doesn't mean it's right. You make sure that you get two, three, or more witnesses on anything that you're going to believe. And the the more it is repeated, the more God means business with it. If you just see it once or twice in the Word of God, not a big deal. If If you see it 50 times, you probably ought to be focusing on it. Stay with those things that he majors on. But there are people that are out there that will handle the word deceitfully. Just because someone is teaching the word, just because somebody is handling the word, does not mean they have your best interest. You've been warned. The Bible warns us. How many times did Jesus say, do not be deceived? But by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. There are some people who just cannot see the gospel. What is plain and obvious to you is not seen by other people. They just don't see it. But you do. And sometimes you get frustrated because you just want to bang them on the head. Can't you see this? Right? (laughs) Have you you had people like that? You just want to bang them on the head and just, you know, how is it that you, that you can't see this? How is it that you can't? It, it's, 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 it's clear, isn't it? Look at this. God, some people don't get it. But you do. But you've got to approach them in such a way that they're veiled. The people who are not following after God have a veil they can't see as clearly as you do. And so you've got to minister to them in that, in that way. Keep that in mind. Sometimes we can lose heart and get discouraged. Well, I kept trying to talk to that person, but they're just an idiot. They may be an idiot. That may be well true, but you can still minister to idiots. And you can try and help them out. They're, they're veiled. They don't see some things. What you have to do is get that veil off so that they can see. You do that, and God gives us ways to do it. We've seen in Corinthians here that he tells us to take authority over the, over the enemy, Satan, because he's the one who's trying to veil them. And then you pray the Lord of Harvest to send laborers into the field, into that field, because they may not receive it from you but they might receive it from someone else. 
and you pray that. That doesn't mean that everyone's going to get born again. There are going to be people that are going to live in this life, some people that you know, and they're going to die unsaved. You just do all that you can do to help them get away from that. Just because they don't accept it does not mean that it's not right. Whose minds, the God of this age, there is a God of this age, not the God, but Satan is a God of this age is what he's called, has blinded the minds, the God of this age has, he's blinded them. That's, that means that they're doing something they don't really necessarily want to. They've been blinded. You can take authority over him. Who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Light shines. It is good to be in the light. I am looking, for, how many times have you been thinking about this this week? I am looking forward to 85 degree days. Sunshine, no clouds in the sky, bright sun. I just want to sit out there in that sun and absorb heat. That's all I want. I just want to sit out there and just absorb the heat. Just come on. Bring it on. Because this has been awful. Mm. You would think as bad as this is, why is it that God didn't make hell cold? I may ask him that when I get there. <laughs> why isn't hell cold? <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, because I think that would be pretty, pretty bad. It's, it's, been, it's been terrible out there. It has not been fun. And then once we get this stuff, it just stays. It doesn't go anywhere. I want it to go away. Not to come back. We keep, keep battling. I mean, how much time have we lost battling snow and ice and just getting the stuff off the, off the driveway and out of our lives? It's just there. But anyway. <laughs> just getting some of that... That just absorbing that he get up to heaven. I think heaven is going to be just a perfect temperature. It's just going to be nice and light all the time, and we won't need extra coats and the heat won't go out. The power won't stop. <laughs> That'll be good. And pilot lights won't be mysteriously not on. Hmm. I'll tell you what the stuff that we have going on here. It's just uh, just messing with us. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus, the Lord, and, our, and ourselves, your bondservant for Jesus' sake. For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Look at this verse 6. For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Where is the light shown for us? On our inside, in our heart, down on the inside. It's not external. It's not something that you see. It's down on the inside. You become illuminated. Because of that light that comes in, you look at some things that go on in the world and you see it differently than other people do. You look at this and say, oh, that's disgusting. Or other people look at it and say, oh, that's funny. You're looking at it from a different light, a different, a different point of view. Because that light comes on the inside of you. It lights up on the inside. We have flashlights. We have things like that. They shine light externally. You got this light on the inside. Understand this. You can walk in greater and greater light. The light that you walk in today is not the ultimate. There is more light to come. Paul teaches us that, it's, that down here on the earth is like looking through a glass dimly. Even though we are in the light, we're not seeing it quite as clear as what we are going to see that day we get into heaven. But all the time down here, keep pressing in to find more light. More light comes when revelation and wisdom get poured out to us. Now, let's read this again. For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. A literal translation of this is light out of darkness come forth. For it is God who commanded or God who said light out of darkness come forth. That's what God said. And what God says happens. So it shines in our hearts internally, not externally. It's not on your face. It's not on your skin. It's down on the inside. It illuminates you on the inside. You have light. So whatever you bring in, you, light will illuminate it. When you begin to take parts of the Word of God and you bring it on the inside and you meditate it, 
Meditate on it. The light that you have illuminates that. When you begin to think and see some of the things that are going on and you bring it to the light that's on the inside of you, it illuminates it and brings out a whole nother picture than you saw. We were watching a, a show some time ago and it's one of those investigative shows and the guy came in on his room and the room was white walls all the way around. And somehow this guy got the idea that what needed to happen was we needed to bring a black light in and he put a black light in and he shined it in the room and turned all the other lights out and all along the walls were all these formulas written out on the wall. But they were hidden to anyone else. The world can't see the wisdom of God. The world can't see the greatness of His Word. But you have a light on the inside of you that will illuminate it and let you see it. Use it. Bring that Word to it. It goes on in verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. The word there, treasure, is a word that means a place in which good and precious things are kept. It is a place in which good and precious things are kept. So he says, in you is this treasure, is this place in which good and precious things are kept. It's there, it's on the inside of you. He says, we have this treasure, this light is on the inside of us and it is phenomenal. What you can do with that light cannot be duplicated or done any other way. And you have this treasure in an earthen vessel. You are the earthen vessel. Earthen vessels, as he's using it here, are very frail. They break. They break very easily. But God took this great treasure and he put it into something fragile. You. In you is this, is this treasure. But we have. Is this something that you have potential to receive? Is this something that may come to you in the future? No, it is we have. There are things, as we we said earlier, there are things that you have, there are things that you can have, and there are things that you will have. You've got to know what the difference is. He says this, we have this treasure. He's not just talking about him. He's talking about we. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. This treasure is put on the inside so when things are brought to light, when understanding comes to you, the excellence is not you, it's God. You have this treasure in earthen vessels. Do you realize this treasure is on the inside of us? You have a light, an illumination on the inside of you that many Christians never use. We sit there and we come to a problem and we acknowledge our ignorance. Well, I don't know what to do about that. I don't know how to make that go away. I don't know how to change that. This is what we do. I don't know how to overcome that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. We acknowledge our ignorance. What if we went around and we acknowledge the earth and the, the, the uh, treasure that was in us? I've got a light on the inside of me. And that light will shine and show me things to do. Show me stuff that, that will come. Show me stuff that is. That light will come on. And I can see things clearly. It's like the CSI guys. The CSI guys that go in, they have that special flashlight. And they shine that special flashlight and they can see, oh, there is blood here. Somebody, something bad happened right here. There's all this blood. But you can't see that otherwise. You just turn the light on the room. You don't see it. But you put this special light on, you can see it. Yeah. You have got that on the inside. You can see stuff that other people will miss. And you can get understanding. How many know understanding is good? Understand, And especially when you get to understand something that is enjoyable. How many of you have ever understood something that was bad? Oh, when you finally understand, oh, that's not good for me. When you understood that the heater has been running constantly and the, you, you kind of know, all right, the electric bill's coming in the mail. It's going to be higher. <laughs> but then you open it up. You kind of, that, that's not always a, a, a good thing. But sometimes you can get wisdom. You can get understanding. And it's, the things of God are good. They're not electric bills. 
They're good. And they tell you good things to come. I was uh, reading an article. I sent it over to my son uh, for, he, for him to read. He didn't read it, but he already knew about it. I talked to him about it. He already knew about it. I didn't know about it as much. But um, I got revelation just uh, yesterday that this is, this is good revelation. You ready for this? That I need to drink more chocolate milk. I got that revelation yesterday, and uh, I'm going to comply. So I immediately went out and bought an entire gallon of chocolate milk, told my son I got a whole gallon of it home now. Because what this person did, there's this guy who writes these, uh, these reviews on um, athletic equipment and stuff like that, and I love his take on stuff. He's just so detailed on it. But he did this thing about uh, uh, post-workout drinks. They have these post-workout drinks. He has this, this, the most popular one, most well-known one, and he broke down the cost. How much does it cost for a 16-ounce uh, drink of this really uh, high-end, well-known, I don't even know what it's called, but he said what it was. And he broke down, because this one you mixed in with water, so water was free, so it was just the cost of the powder, and then you, you stirred it up, and it, uh, he had a picture of there was green. I don't like green, drinking green things. You, you might like drinking green things. You know, when they do those mint sh- shakes over at uh, the places for St. Patrick, I don't drink them. I don't like green things. I, do, I just uh, don't. I don't know what it is. I just don't like, don't like that. And so he was doing that with the chocolate milk, and he put the chocolate milk up in there. And by the, by the cost of I think at the end, the chocolate milk was about one quarter of the cost of the high-end sports drink to be drinking post-workout. And he said the benefit is exactly the same. You'll get just as much benefit from chocolate milk as you will from this high-end sports drink. So, what should we do? I should drink more chocolate milk. (laughs) So I intend, after every run, to make sure I drink at least 16 ounces of chocolate milk. It'll be hard. It'll be difficult. We will find a way to get it done. (laughs) So that's, that, that's kind of like what God is. When God brings ro- wisdom, when God brings revelation to us, it's of good things. It's of things that we like. It's like, oh, this is good. I have a treasure on the inside of me. I am more than conquerors. I have faith on the inside of me. I can overcome. I'm the head. I'm not. When God brings revelation to us, he tells us the good things. It's good. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not, enough, not of us. God is going to get the, the, the glory for it. Make sure he does. Verse 8. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. There's the good news. We're not crushed. How many of you have ever been hard-pressed? Now, you don't get hard-pressed from God. And God has no purpose in setting you up to be hard-pressed. That's not God. If you are hard-pressed, do not say that I am hard-pressed because God wants to teach me something. God is not about hard-pressing anyone. How much hard-pressing is going on in heaven? None. Where is the will of God done perfectly? In heaven. There's no hard-pressing going on there. How much persecution is going on in heaven? When you are in a hard-pressed situation, it's not because God has a purpose. The enemy does. He's trying to crush you. He's trying to beat you down. He's trying to take the seed away that was on the inside of you. Don't let him do it. Stay in your ground. We are hard-pressed on every side. Now imagine this. You are hard-pressed on every side. That means there is nowhere to go. If you go in the city, if you go out of the city, if you go... Inside the house, if you go outside the house, wherever it is that you go, you are hard-pressed, is what he's saying. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. This is the problem we come into. Sometimes we get into a situation and we're perplexed about it, and we become in despair. Don't. You may be perplexed about a situation, but what do you do if you are perplexed? Ask for wisdom. God, I do not know how to handle this. I need your wisdom. What will God do? He will send you wisdom. If you ask for it, he will send it. It will come to you. So what should you do if you are perplexed? Not sure what to do. You ask God for wisdom. And then if somebody says, what are you going to do about that? What do you say? 
Well, I don't know. I'm just perplexed about that. No. I've asked God and God's going to give me the wisdom what to, what to do. So what do you say? Well, I don't know yet. But when I need to do something, God's going to have that answer here for me. You don't speak about your perplexed, being perplexed. You speak about the wisdom that's coming. That's what you focus on. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Don't get in despair. God has no purpose for you in despair. If you are in despair, you are not there because God led you. You are there because you let the enemy push you there. You must have just come to grips with it. That's why it is. Now, go to God and say, God, I'm, dis- I'm in despair. You don't want me here. How do I get out? And God will give you a way out. God can turn nasty situations around quickly. Let him. Listen to him. How do I get this fixed? We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Too many times Christians think because people around them are persecuting them, God has forsaken them. God has not forsaken you just because you're persecuted. You ought to expect to be persecuted because the world doesn't accept, does not accept the Word of God. It's going to reject you because it rejects it. If the world is accepting you, you probably don't have enough Word in you. Persecuted but not forsaken. Struck down <laughs> but not destroyed. God does not strike down His kids. Who does? The enemy. We were over in the book of Acts and we saw that Paul was stoned, dragged out of the city because they surmised that he was dead. They did what they would normally do and looked at him and, well, he looks dead. Doesn't seem to have a pulse. He seems to be dead. And they dragged him out of the city. He probably was dead. All the rest of the disciples gathered around, looked on. No one's helping him out because he's dead. And then Paul gets up. I think it's amazing. Nobody laid hands on them. Nobody did anything. They just gets up and goes back into the city. <laughs> city that just stoned you. He goes back in. Hey, guys, it didn't work. I'm still here. And then he went on. Struck down, but not destroyed. Just laugh at the devil. When he comes over and he strikes, he tries to strike you down, he tries to get you perplexed, you just laugh at him. I am not destroyed, devil. I'm not in despair. You're not going to pull me down in there. As much as you try, as much as you want to, it is not going to happen. You let them know. We will not be crushed. Verse 10. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our body. Because He died, we live. So I always remember, He died, so I live. He died, I live. But the life, as as he tells us other places, the life that I live is not my own. It's his. I'm living his life. Because my life, I died. I'm living his life. Well, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to serve? You are only on this earth at best, what, 75, 85, 90 years? Some people 100. Whatever you are satisfied with. You're just down here on this earth for that time, of, that point of time, which is nothing in compared to eternity. Just always keep that in mind. You're just here for a little while. But eternity is forever. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our body. For we who, for we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our mortal flesh. Your mortal flesh is still here. But we keep living in that death. Jesus died. Jesus took this penalty. Jesus died for me. Jesus died for me. He took my penalty. He took my curse. He took these things. He lived in this life and was faultless. He took my death. I live. And I can have victory over my mortal body because of what He did. That the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then, death is working in us, but life in you. Now, he's talking here from a minister's standpoint. That he's letting death work in him even more. He is taking more abuse and more things because he is walking in that life than the people he's ministering to because they're newborns. 
they're newborns. But eventually they're going to get to a place where they're going to be ministers too, and the persecution is going to come to them. But right now it's just life to them. So then death is working in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith, now look at what he says here. We have the same spirit. You have the same spirit of faith as Paul. The Corinthians have the same spirit of faith as Paul. Same spirit of faith. It's not anything different. And since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believe and therefore I spoke. I believe and therefore I spoke. Belief has as its end result, God kind of belief, has as its end result, speech. Now, it works just about anything. If you go up to a bridge and you say, that bridge is scary. Why do you say that? Because to you, that bridge is, you believe that bridge to be scary. Right? That's why you speak it. If you see uh, an operation being performed on the TV and it's real detailed and they're showing you opening up and you say, oh, that's gross. Why do you say that? Because I believe in my heart that's gross. How many of you know there are some people who would look at an operation and not think it's gross? They wouldn't believe it that it's gross. But there are other people that look at that and say, oh, that's gross. You speak the things that you believe. If you pulled into the gas station and you were expecting the price to be $3.33, and you looked on the thing and it says $3.93, you would say, that's robbery. Why? Because I believe it. I believe based on the fact that most gas stations are charging this much that this is robbery. We have this one gas station out in Montgomeryville, and I don't know why anyone would buy any gas from them. But y'all probably know what I'm talking about. And we bought, drive by there and they are at least 50 or 60 cents higher than anyone else in the neighborhood. And I was driving by there the other day and sure enough, somebody pulled up to the gas tank. And I'm thinking, dear Lord, that poor ignorant slob. <laughs> I, I don't know why. I'm thinking, do they have a contract with certain people and they just want those folks coming on in? I, I don't know what it is. But, <laughs> but when you, if you were just surprised, you go up there and you look at the... That's robbery because you believe it. When we believe something, we speak it out of our mouth. When you come out of the house and it's four degrees outside and you say, oh, it's cold. Why do you say that? Because you believe it's cold. But you could find someone else who comes from a different part of the country and they walk out and it's four degrees and they go, oh, it feels nice. Right? They don't believe it's cold. They're used to minus 10, minus 20, minus 30. Four degrees is a heat wave for them. It's, it's what you believe. But what you believe comes out of your mouth. So you could walk out into four degree temperature and say, oh, it's cold. And the person right next to you say, what do you mean? It's warm. And both of you are speaking out of your belief. Belief causes us to say something. If you were on a plane and you hit turbulence and it becomes great turbulence and the plane is shaking and rattling, someone on that plane, you know, is going to say, I think we're going to crash. Why do they say that? Because they believe they're going to crash. Belief causes us to say things. What is your belief causing you to say? He says it right here again. I believe and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. What you believe is what you will speak. You can tell me what you believe, but all I have to do is listen to what you speak. For the things that you speak, that's what you believe. You can have Christians to go around and say, I believe that God is prospering me. I believe that God is increasing me. I believe that God has the best for me in my business. And I believe God has the best for me in my job. You can go over these things. And uh, an hour later, they hear a report about the economy. I think I'm going to lose my job. <laughs> Why do they say that? Because that's their belief. The other one was their hope. Too often we don't know the difference between speaking our hope and speaking our belief. You've got to take that hope 
turn it into a belief, and then speak it out. Don't just speak out of hope. Speak out of belief. What are the things that you're saying? I believe, and therefore I spoke. We also believe, and therefore speak. Knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus. Is there anything greater than raising Jesus up from the dead? Or raising you up? No. Your little piddly problem is no big deal if God can do that. And will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes. All things are for your sakes. Pull this out of the message. Put it in your... Uh, Outline, I believe. Every detail works to your advantage and to God's glory, more and more grace, more and more people, more and more praise. Every detail works to your advantage and to God's glory. Duke King James put it, for all things are for your sakes. Now, don't get the idea that whatever, this is what some Christians get the idea of, Whatever happens in my life, God intended it to happen. Whatever goes on, God meant it for good. That's hogwash. Because I'm going to tell you right now, there's stuff that's going to happen to you last week, this week, and God had no good for it at all. The enemy had the purpose of bringing you down. Or sometimes it's just bad stuff that's going around. But God says this, I don't care what the world or the enemy puts against you, I can turn it around for good. Best example we've seen uh, other people use, and I don't know of any any better one. So we just go back down to the most uh, well-known cartoon, the Roadrunner and the Coyote. How many times did the Coyote arrange events for the Roadrunner? And no matter what event he arranged for the Roadrunner, no matter what form of destruction he had concocted, not a single thing affected the Roadrunner poorly. I remember uh, watching that as a kid and sometimes he would paint food on the ground and the roadrunner would come up and eat it. And he couldn't... How, how did he eat that? He would paint a hole in the mountain and the roadrunner would get through it. And then he'd try and run through it and he'd smack in the little... <laughs> That's the kind of idea you have to have. No matter what happens, no matter what the enemy does, God will make all things, every detail, work for your benefit. Every one of them. The devil sent something for destruction, and God will turn it around for good. That's the God we serve. Just don't get in despair. Listen to God. Just simply go to God and say, God, we got this problem. The enemy's brought this thing. I need wisdom on how to turn it around. And God will give you wisdom of how to turn that thing around and make it work. He'll give you that wisdom. For all things are for your sakes, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Put in your outline, they are not intended by God, but they can be worked by God through your faith for your advantage. They're not intended by God, but they can be worked by God through your faith. It's not just going to happen. It's through your faith that it will happen. God will use your faith to work those things out to your advantage. Verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. This is the second time he said this. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Every day your outward man is perishing. Hair gets a little more gray. Skin gets a little more wrinkled. Whatever it might be. That's all right. That's the outward man. But the inward man is being renewed day by day. Now, it's not automatically. It's if you do the things that are written in this chapter, these things that we've gone over. If you press into God, if you let that light turn on, if you bring things to the treasure that you have, that light, if you bring things to it and learn and understand and grow, your insides are being renewed day by day. How many of you know Christians that are not being renewed day by day? It's not automatic. You've got to do the things that are in this passage. You've got to tap into the wisdom. You've got to tap into the light, the revelation that God has for you. 
Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Don't lose heart because your outward man isn't doing the things that he used to do. It's the inward one that's the, that's the issue. Verse 17, for our light affliction. Now, Paul has described some of the things he's been through before. The stonings, the people who were close to him who turned against them. The beatings, the imprisonments, the shipwrecks, the time of being without food, without water. And he says, but our light affliction. <laughs> Most of us have not been through anything like Paul has been through. And he calls his as a light affliction. What do you think we're going through? As bad as we think our life is, it's nothing compared to what some of the patriots who, who've gone before. Elijah, you think your life is as bad as his? An entire nation wants you dead? Rulers who have armies at their disposal want to kill you? David has an entire army marching around the land to try and find him, to kill him? The king that he served threw spears at him? Elisha wakes up to find out the entire army has surrounded the city to get him? Anybody have an army against you? Our light affliction but is but for a moment, we're not here very long, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. That affliction that comes against you is working something on the inside of you. We talked about this last, last week a little bit. When you get into church and people cause you problems, sometimes folks think, well, I'll just go to a different church where those people won't cause me problems. But there's people there and they're going to cause you problems too because that's what people do. But that's actually the intent of church. The attendance of church is to have people in it who cause you problems. You didn't know that, did you? That is actually the intent. Remember when the Word of God says that iron sharpens iron? Yeah, it's that rubbing against each other that we do that causes us to become perfected. Because when someone is acting in the flesh, they bring out your flesh. And when they bring out your flesh, you can deal with it. And if you deal with it right, you get rid of it. You deal with it wrong, it gets worse. But the more you get sharpened, the more flesh falls away. Pretty soon those people that gave you problems before, they're not even a blip on the radar screen anymore. They're good. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. We have a light affliction now. It's short-lived when compared to eternity. Eternity is a long time. How long is eternity? Eternal. Forever. It never stops. You can live in eternity for a thousand years and you cannot see the end. You can live in eternity for a million years and you haven't even started. There is no end. It's like a road that's being paved in front of you, but it paves at far faster rate than you can drive. It will just keep on going. Keep on going. It's not going to end. People may cause us trouble. And you're outlined there. But they are helping us get rid of the non-conformed parts. How many all know we have some non-conformed parts in our, in our body? Some parts that are not quite conformed to the Word of God. Other people come along and they help you find out where they are. <laughs> I didn't even know that that kind of a thing bothered me. Hmm. Now I know. Now you can work on it. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. This is where most Christians have problems. We live in a world of things that we see. And we base our faith on things that we see. But God says, no, you need to get beyond that. Your faith needs to be based on things that you do not see. And stop basing them on the things that you see. Listen to Christians. They get an interview. Oh, glory to God. God is working. No, God was working before that. You, you can't just base your faith on what you see. You believe in God for a healing and all of a sudden you feel something change. I'm getting healed. No. <laughs> stop basing your faith on what you see. If you base your faith on what you see, then if what you see changes, so does your faith. 
Remember what's on the inside of you? That treasure, that light that shows things like you can't see. That's where your faith needs to be based. When you base your faith on what is on the inside, on that light that comes from God, that illuminates and shows you things that you cannot see otherwise, when you base your faith on that and not on the stuff that you see, is when you are entering into a whole new realm, a whole new realm of walking. That's what you need to, to go after. While we do not look at things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, for the things that are seen are temporary. If I can see it, it ain't going to last. But the things which are not seen are eternal. Now, you might be thinking, well, I can see my neighbor and they're going to be in heaven and living. Now, you see their body. Their body's not going to last. Their spirit will. You don't see that. The things that you see, they're not going to last. If you can see it, it ain't going to last. It's temporary. How many of you have ever gotten a report from a doctor? How did you read it? You saw it. If you saw it, it's what? Temporary. Should you base your faith on it? No. It's temporary. If you can see it, don't base your faith on it. Base your faith on the things that are unseen. Peter said to Jesus, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Peter, for flesh and blood has not revealed itself to you, but my Father in heaven. Thomas said, Unless I see... The holes in his hands, put my fingers in the holes of his hands and in the, uh, the, the, the opening of the side, I will not believe. And so Jesus showed up, says, Thomas, behold. And he says, my Lord and my God. And he says, Thomas, you believe because you have, but blessed are they that have not seen and yet believe. That's the realm you need to get into. That's the place we need to go. Where we can base our faith completely on what is illuminated in ourselves, not as what is seen on the outside. That special treasure, that light that is on the inside of you will illuminate things, will open up revelation, wisdom, knowledge. And that's where you need to, to go after. Go after the things that are eternal. One last scripture. Mark chapter 5, verse 35. Jumping here in the middle of the story. Everybody remember the story of Jairus? He had come to Jesus and said, My little daughter is sick. If you come lay hands on her, she'll be well. And they're on their way. Of course, the woman with the issue of blood came in in the middle. We had that distraction that went on. and She got healed. And as soon as they got done with the woman with the issue of blood, while he was still speaking to the woman, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's home who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid, only believe. He's stopping him from speaking because what he heard can change his belief and what we believe we speak. And he needed to keep him from doing that. So he immediately stops him. Don't, don't do this. Do not be afraid. Only believe. And so to his credit, Jairus shuts up. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw, saw a tumult. And those who wept and wailed loudly, these are the hired people, because that's what they did. We don't understand that. We don't hire people to cry, but they did. And when he came in, he said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. Why? Because of what they saw. But when he had put them all outside, he took the father and mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kumang, which is translated little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age. And they were overcome with great amazement. And he commanded them strictly that no one should know it. It was imperative that he not base his faith on what he heard, what he saw. It needs to come from the inside. Wisdom and revelation needs to come up from the inside of you. When it comes, you need to have a belief in it and begin to speak it, to begin to say it. 
This is what God has shown me. What evidence do you have? I don't have any evidence. It was spoken to me. I see it down in my spirit. My spirit has been illuminated to see this. And this is what you speak out. It will change things. When God speaks a revelation to you, that revelation has enough power to change things. The spoken word of God created worlds. When Jesus spoke the word, the world was created. That's how powerful that word is. When God speaks something to you, there is power in that and it will change things. Listen to what he says. So I put this in your outline. Upon what are your eyes fixed? What is it that you have fixed your eyes on? The things that are seen? And if so, what are they? Or the things that are unseen? The things that are in your spirit? The things that are illuminated on the inside? Change the object of your focus takes practice. It's not, it's not an easy thing to do. It takes some practice. It takes effort on your part. It's not just going to... Just because you want to doesn't mean it's going to happen. Go back to the diet thing. How many of you have ever wanted to be on a diet to either gain weight or lose weight and knew there are certain foods you were supposed to eat or stay away from? But as soon as your eye caught hold of those things... See, now you're all afraid to drink chocolate milk, but there might be some other things that are out there that you might wonder about. What is it that you, uh, that you need to do? Change the object of your focus. It takes some practice. It takes some effort on your part. You don't just go from believing what you see to believing what is revealed overnight. It takes practice. Get this one down. Learn in the little things so that you are ready in the big things. Learn in the little things so you are ready in the big things. God knows big things are coming down your way before you know them. And He knows all these other little things that are coming along. And those little things are just there to get you ready. Jesus was in the garden with His disciples and He took the three away. And He said, pray that you enter not into temptation. What He is saying is, if you prepare now, you won't have a problem later. But he came back to them after an hour and they were asleep. He woke them up. He says, you need to pray that you enter not into temptation. And he went away again. And he came back and they were asleep again. So he let them sleep and he went away again and he prayed for another hour. And he came back to them and they're still asleep. He says, are you still sleeping? Rise and get up. They could have had a couple hours for the prayer. They didn't. They could have been made ready, but they weren't. And they entered into temptation. Thank God Jesus did not. He knew what was needed. He knows what is needed for what's down the road for you. And if you listen to him, he will prepare you. If you are prepared, it won't even seem like a test. But if you are unprepared, it will devastate you. But God will give you wisdom. He'll give you understanding. He will speak revelation to you about any situation that you are facing. And the light that is on the inside of you will illuminate you to understand it. Those are the things you need to, to pursue. Not the things that you see, but the things that are revealed. Would you all stand up with me? Father, I thank you for the things that you are working to reveal in our life. Directions to go to make our life easier. Make our day go better. To help us be more efficient what we need to get done to alter the course of our life to pursue the goals that you have given us to obtain the dreams of our heart all these are doable and your spirit speaks revelation wisdom understanding that we can discern the things that are important the things we need to put our time in Father I thank you for the help that you give us you have not left us on this earth to fend for ourselves. But Father, you desire that we overcome everything. The enemy is the one who desires to put us down. But you desire that we stay up. And you have done everything that you can to help us to do so. The rest of it is on us. We need to listen, develop that ear to hear. And when we hear, we need to remember Retain all the things that you say. We need to let revelation be built 
upon the previous revelation to hang on your words. And if we are at a loss for what to do, we need to simply come before you and ask and then listen for what the Spirit is saying to us. The powerful way to live is the way that you want us to go because you want our inward man to be renewed day by day. And it can be. We thank you for the help that you give us on that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we have one prayer request and some praise reports. Some more coming in. If you didn't get your praise report in, you're still time. While we're reading these over, write yours down. If you need a uh, piece of paper to write it on, raise your hand up. Ushers will be glad to bring them on by. Um, we'll read that again so we can get that on tape. <laughs> but Kathy's raises and bonuses were announced at work, and she was awarded the highest one on increase and bonus. And um, she said, Peter's dental work is complete. Oh, his attacker pled guilty and paid restitution. <laughs> and Peter is standing on God's word and does not receive the dentist's report that his nerve roots are dying slowly over the next two years. Well, we know that's a lie. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Um, Daryl has a praise report. He said, I want, um, I want to give God the glory that after five months of renovation, my mother will move back into her home this week. And from what I'm understanding, it's like a brand new house. Hallelujah. <laughs> that was a long time, five months. Holy. Um, Sadat said, we thank God for all his provision this week, for Sharon getting paid for two snow days off. Yay. Um, for our car not breaking down in the middle of the road, but safely being able to pull aside um, on this and then shutting down on your car. Joe's car. Okay. Um, for getting a discount for being a Christian from a Christian heating company repair guy. Praise God. <laughs> okay. Oh, I thought you said um, This one, we prayed for this lady's brother last week. Um, it's Candy's friend, Sue, from the bank. Do we pray for her here or at? Here. here. Okay. Um, his name is Ken. He had colon cancer, and the doctors did tests and found out that the cancer has not spread, which was what we prayed for, um, and we praise God for that. She's in the, pre- the family's praying for remission, but I'm praying that it will leave his body altogether. We don't want that thing just hiding around in there. It's got to go. Um, Ray says, I want to praise God. His healing power and his wisdom has continued to manifest itself um, throughout this week. I feel stronger and have maneuvered around some situations that you couldn't. And Tony says she's very thankful for her home here at Zoe Christian Fellowship. She's thankful for everybody and thanks you for all of your help throughout this year. I have a praise report that I conquered this year a lifelong fear that I had, and that is just now gone. Amen. (laughs) Um, Jolly says he's healed of a very rare form of, I can't read that, of a strange flu or virus. He's been healed of that. So praise God. We got financial reports, and we got um, blessings coming from outside outside sources, and you have a prayer. Mm -hmm. Do you want this? No. You you got that. 